Blog Talk Radio. Are you tired of being sheep? Well, so is he. Get a friend, get informed, and get involved. It's We Are Not Cattle Radio. Good evening and welcome to We Are Not Cattle Radio. I'm your host, Jake Counts, coming to you live from Atlanta, Georgia, every Tuesday and Thursday night from 9 until 11 p.m. If you're listening on Liberty Movement Radio, welcome. If you're listening in on Liberty Express Radio, check me out live, Tuesdays and Thursday nights from 9 until 11. It's the people's show. It's not Jake is not cattle. It's not... Um, Robert is not cattle. It's not Bob is not cattle. It's that we collectively, as individuals, as beautiful, free individuals, are not sheep, are not cattle, and are definitely not cannon fodder for the global controllers and the technocrats. So thanks for tuning in tonight. A ton of stuff to get into. Um, Got some new stuff coming out. Um, On Tuesday, we're going to be unveiling the, um, the global controllers um, fantasy drafts. So I'm really looking forward to that. I think I got a couple of guys lined up that are going to be contributing with us on that. So it should be a good show, at least thought provoking enough to where you can share it with your friends and they're going to say, I've never heard of these people. Who are these people? And I've got some really good, um, <clears throat> some really good players in the pool so far. But if you want to contribute, you can go to the We Are Not Cattle homepage at wearenotcattle.net. You can message me um, there. Or we are not cattle at gmail dot com, or you can go to the fan page on Facebook and um, cast your votes there as well. Because we've already started the conversation, and I actually might move it from my private Facebook account to that um, to the fan page, so everybody can weigh in on it. But the world is going collectively bonkers. This is absolutely incredible. I, I, I literally wake up on, on Tuesdays and Thursday morning, and I'll have some ideas in my head of what I would like to talk about and, and solutions that I would like to have or solutions that I would like to see implemented. And some of them are already starting to um, to kind of propagate, which is good, you know, not by my direction or anything like this, but it's just you know free individuals coming together and, and just aligning against the power structure. Once again, I have no problem with everybody having different ideological views about how to run the country. I really don't. Actually, if anything, I, I I welcome the debate about how we can do this better. I know that the Constitution is is a blueprint for providing freedom, but we've already they've trashed that. The Constitution has been completely eviscerated by the people in Washington. So as I think that it can't get any crazier, I mean, I'm going to talk about all kinds of stuff tonight. Um, You have CNN coming out and doing an absolutely fantastic job. Yeah, I actually said that. In two areas, um, Jake Tapper covered the Bilderberg Group, and they also are starting to, to change the dialogue on... On medicinal marijuana, medicinal cannabis. Now, Jake, why do you talk about medicinal cannabis so much on your show? 
Well, the reason I talk about it so much is because I know the effects of cannabis and what it can do for people. And I think it's absolutely silly that we have drugs that are out in the marketplace that are proven to be more dangerous for you, that are proven to harm you and others more than this plant. And then I always go back to the root of the problem. The root of the problem is is that Anslinger and a couple of these other guys that do pot people, they all got together and banned this because they saw it as a threat to the cotton industry. They saw it as a threat. Once again, corporations and lobbyists using government to shut down their competition, which is what you see happening all over America. And that's why I think that it's such a pivotal point. If you can get people through their glass ceiling of marijuana is bad because they've been told that it's bad, and I went to school and Dare told me not to do drugs, and 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 then you know when I get older, it's you know they have people that come out and say that it causes sterility and all of these other crazy things that it doesn't do. But it's all in the fear porn of getting you to not look at the real issue and the real situation at hand. And I think that that, along with the impeachment of Barack Obama, I know, guys, listen, I've had arguments over Facebook today with people, and I know that that sounds silly, but it's not arguments. It's just people people want the population to be further along in their enlightenment than they really are. Let's just face it. The entirety of the population is still stuck on the fact that the NFL starts in like three weeks or, excuse me, like a a month. I don't know. And that's really bizarre to me because last year I would have been able to tell you who my team was playing, on what date they were playing, when the Monday night game is, when the national televised game is. But I don't care anymore. I do care because it's fun and, and it's exciting and it's passionate and it's, you know, all of these things. But what I have a real care for is humanity and and watching free humanity get manipulated and controlled and distorted by a bunch of media outlets. On top of that, people in Congress that believe that they're above the law, that they're exempt. And I've got an article on that today where Congress has made themselves exempt from Obamacare. Shocker. Holy crap. The crooks did something to exempt themselves and then put the taxation on the people. Guys, this is why we fought the revolution. I don't know if that's sinking through America's skull, but this is what we fought the revolution over, that and guns. Everybody's like, oh, guns, you can't talk about guns. Listen, guns are what we fought the revolution over. If you don't like guns and if you don't like if you don't like people not bossing you around and taking your money at the barrel of a gun, then you don't like America. You can go out there and say, Well, I like the United States. Well, you don't like what we were founded on then. You don't understand the belief system that was instilled back then. Were the founders perfect? Absolutely not. Did they have slaves? Sure. Did they Argue about slavery and see if they could write that in the beginning? Of course they did, but nobody ever talks about that. You don't talk about that. You don't hear that on any kind of news outlet. It's always, the well, the founders had slaves. Well, they understood that society wasn't ready for that. And I know that that sounds really inhumane in our way of thinking, but think about it like this. 
Our society is not ready to find out that we're run by a private banking group that doesn't let you know how much money is in the money supply. How about them apples? How about the institution that controls the currency and credit of your nation on top of, and since your nation is the world reserve currency, controls everything else around the world. Everything relies upon the U.S. dollar, and they won't tell you how much of that dollar is out in the supply. They do billion-dollar bailouts and don't tell you who gets the money. But the American public isn't ready for that. That's why I say you go after Obama. You go after the figurehead because the figurehead will do one thing. It'll get the public a rallying point. It'll give them something tangible. You can't look at Ben Bernanke and say, well, that guy's a shyster. You can't do that. I mean, even though the guy wrote his dissertation, and I've said this and played the audio clips from it, wrote his dissertation in college about the reason that we were in such an economic calamity is because the big banks weren't bailed out soon enough. That's like saying that a philanthropist – let's just take um, the guy from Virgin Mobile. We'll just use him, the billionaire says that the reason that people aren't incentivized is because nobody's given them enough free stuff. we got to give them more free stuff, and that'll incentivize people. No, it creates a society full of people that will just wait for the handouts, which is what we have. So how do we reverse this? How do we take it all back? How do we, how do we restore the republic, as people say? Well... The republic is pretty far gone right now. If you look at the militarization of police and all the things and maneuvers that they've done over the years in order to remove some of these safeguards that the republic had in place. Removing posse comitatus, trying to remove the first and fourth and second amendment all at the same time. And then they'll put a little dash of the third amendment in there where they actually come into your house and say, we're going to occupy your home. And you say no, and they say, well, tough, you know what, we're going to occupy your home. The quartering of soldiers. They, I mean, come on. So systematically going through and destroying the Bill of Rights and Constitution and pretending like it's not there, and now the public pretends like it's not there. That's what's getting even crazier. I was just messaging uh, Anthony Antonello, um, an activist of, um, I think he's out of, Pennsylvania. It's really weird how you get connected with all these activists because there's not a lot of us out there. But then, then again, the ones that are out there, we see each other at every event. So my advice to you, if you're listening to my show, is stop listening to shows. Stop getting on Facebook and get out there and do something. Now what I'm going to do is I'm going to participate in this banner hang on August the 17th here in Atlanta. It's going to be on the 75 and 85 overpass. If you're in Atlanta and you can somehow... Get out of your wage slave job for you know two hours early on a Friday. Come hang out with me. Let's hang a banner and say impeach Obama. It's happening all over the country. But you have to do something. You can't just sit there because if you don't do something, you're just whining. And nobody likes a whiner. If, if I just did this radio show, I'd just be whining. I would get a bunch of people whining with me, and then we're not doing anything. You know, I've I've got a child on the way, and I'm talking to all my friends that have kids, and they say that it just motivates you more, but it puts me in like panic mode. 
It doesn't put me in panic mode for for reasons that I'm bringing a child into this crazy world. No, I want to get this stuff fixed before I leave this earth and my child has to live in this monstrosity that we've created here. And yes, we're in an uphill battle. Yes, we have a lot of challenges in front of us. Because the public is just not paying attention and they're and they're and they're not educated in in areas that that begot freedom. They're not educated in economics. They don't understand how the money system works. They don't understand that this president all he does is lie to you. And it's not that I was a fan of Bush or any of those other guys, the warmongers. I'm not a fan of them. But this guy is a legitimate mirror. Anything that he says to you, and he's got a great delivery. Don't get me wrong. He has got an impeccable delivery. But every time it just sounds and you just want to buy into it, and he just cons you and con and con and con. And I don't know if it's so much him, if it's the people that are directing him or, or what it is. But all I know is that if we can focus it on that and get him impeached for I mean – Jacob or Jake um, Yannick was on my show last Tuesday, and he was talking about, well, what do we impeach him on, Benghazi? I'm like, take your pick. These people that are doing these things, this lawlessness that's going around here, it has to come to an end. Otherwise, we're in deep trouble. And and there's a lot of people that keep going around with you know with their heads hanging low, going, I don't like where this is going, and then they don't do anything. And I feel really bad for you people because what you must do is go home and mope and, and, and just and just dream up the worst case scenario. And I've heard other shows that I've listened to and you know, spot checking and hear people talking about, well, you know, I'm just getting ready for the collapse and I'm loading clips. You guys are idiots. There has to be the intellectual revolution first. Otherwise, we're all in trouble. If you don't intellectually go and engage your fellow humans and try to get them to understand that what is going on and what is being set up and what is taking place here in America is not going to work out too well. No matter how many football games you watch or how many baseball games you watch, you might wake up tomorrow and your currency might not be worth squat. Gee, I'm really glad you went to the game on Sunday. Oh, you're going to go work for what is going to equate to 15 cents? People won't go for that. So you have to get people engaged intellectually first. That's why I'm always trying to think of new ways to get people to understand what's going on. I did the Alternative Currency Day. Please go and like and join the Alternative Currency Day that I've set up. It's um, December 23rd. You can just um, you can just Google it. I mean, you can if you get on Facebook, it's on my Facebook calendar. You can just go and look it up. Alternative currency dates, an event set up. Like the event, share the event. Let's get a buzz going about real freedom, about agorism, about being an individual and trading with one another again. And not using and fueling the machine that has been used to go and overthrow nations and throw people under jail cells like my friend Adam Kokesh. I mean, things like that. I mean... And then you look at all of the craziness coming around, and it's going to get crazier and crazier. And I, I keep saying that because I don't see any stopping to this. It's, it's Humans are a lot of momentum. I mean we just – the way that humanity works is that we'll go in one direction. That's how these wars and, 
and all these these huge events happen is because there's tension first. So you create all this tension and there's all this buildup and the momentum is building towards the buildup and the buildup and the buildup. And then you have one event like in, um, I think it was World War II, where you had two people killed. And that was it. Off to the races. Or is that World War I? Gosh, I get them confused sometimes. It's always the same players, but you know, different acts and different scenes. But that's all it takes. And in America, what I see is you have some really, really different sections of the population. You have a section of the population that's angry and frustrated, but they don't know why they're angry and frustrated. They're tired of being lied to by Congress. They're tired of being lied to by the president. And they're just angry. Those are the misguided, angry people. We have to grab them and basically align them with some semblance of reality and say, listen, here's what we here's here's some steps that we can take to try to remedy this thing. Because we're at a point now where we have to start looking at real drastic steps. And you know, you could say, Well, I can't really take off time from work from my job. I heard a guy that organized this banner hang that I'm gonna be a part of on the seventeenth that said something that was so profound that I just had to align with what he said. He said, if I was sick, I would take a day off. And forgive me for all the, you know, the voluntarists and the um, anarcho-capitalists that are listening, but once again, substitute nationalism for a group of people residing on a landmass together with imaginary borders, okay? But the gentleman said, he said, if my kid was sick, I would take the day off. If I was sick, I would take the day off. But now the republic is sick, and I have to do something to help. That's America. and Not Amer- America, not one of those. But that's the true spirit of this country. The true spirit is individual liberty, individual freedom, not giving a flying crap about what the Johnsons do down the road from you. But now we're completely flipped on its head, and we have to hear about what the Kardashians do. We have to look at all, you know, all devious maids and all this trash that's being thrown at you to distract you from the great game that's going on. And it is a game to these people. You are not even significant. And I know that that sounds really crazy because you think about it in your own perspective, and you think, well, I think to myself I'm pretty significant. To these people, you are not. So. It is time to turn the tide, and it is time to start getting out and doing more. Once again, I took a job, not because I wanted to get away from podcasting and doing what I'm doing now. It's because I want to do more, and it gives me the ability to do more. And if you're not thinking about what you can do every day to do more and more and more, then you're losing. It's just like in business, but now we've got some really nasty people up in Washington that really don't care about you. You got to get that through your head. These people do not care about you. And they will ride the empire into the ground in order to make off with their, you know, be ill-gotten gains. They just will. And I know that that sounds sad and I know that that sounds really, you know, depressing, but at the end of the day, just be real with yourself. Look around you and look at the news, read articles, just read for a little bit and say is what is going on here?
And it's people not having an education on the issues. It's people going with whatever the media tells them, going with whatever their friends tell them, and and collectively coming together. I saw an article in Time Magazine saying that we need to find out what's killing the honeybees. Are you kidding me? Monsanto creates Roundup-ready soy. It creates corn with pesticides in it, and they eat it, and they freaking die. We need to find out what's going on here. Gee, I wonder if it's the the um, the genetically modified food that nobody is allowed to test anything outside of 90 days, which is perfectly healthy. It's perfectly safe. And then Monsanto just last year made themselves exempt from being um, under scrutiny, basically. You can't go after those people. They're completely above the law. Woohoo! As I said, imagine if you would have told me 20 years ago that the company that created Roundup would be in one of the major players in who gets to grow and modify and direct my food to me. Really? That's who we got? I mean, I, I can't even think of, of just a crazy enough analogy for that. That's like having um, that's like having Jack Kevorkian put you into Twilight. That's probably my best answer. Oh no no no! You're just gonna you know we're just gonna put you under for a little bit in this um when you're gonna go get your tooth you know your tooth checked out we're just gonna put you under we're gonna pull that tooth it'll be okay you won't even feel a thing. See you later. That's how bad it is. And this is not fear porn. This is real stuff. This is real. That's what's so crazy. All of this stuff that I'm telling you is real. I'm not the crazy one. These people are the crazy people. Gardasil gets rejected in Japan, and then and then they make forced inoculations in Mexico a year and a half ago. And then the maker of Gardasil, Merck, comes out and says that little boys need to take it too. Japan and all these other countries refuse it because they're like, oh my god, this is causing sterility in women. Oh no! A eugenicist biotech company that admits on record that they have created vaccines that are going to kill a bunch of people, but we're going to make $2 billion on it. So just you know, go hide over there. These – I don't know what to say. I understand how Alex Jones gets speechless. It's just like it's absolutely overwhelming. And then all I do is I sit there and talk to people in my little group that already know this, and we all freak out together. It's it's so bizarre. And then you talk to people. I talk to people when when they would try to sell me uh, Jimmy or not Jimmy Jones subs. Every time I go in there, they try to give me a frequent shopper card, and I got in an argument with the girl because she kept telling me, "No, it just gets you free stuff." I'm like, "No, you dummy! They use this to track you and your purchasing habits." That's why they make you fill out a name and an address and all this other stuff on there because they want that data so they can sell it to corporations to find out your purchasing habits and do all this other manipulation to you. I'm like, do you ever wonder why when you would check out in Kroger that they would give you coupons for things that you might get that you never bought before, but you might get it? It's like, oh, wow, I kind of do like that. Gee, I wonder how the computer knew that. Hmm. Never crossed your mind, did it? 
Never crossed your mind. Listen, when I was going to school for marketing, and this was back in 2000 and ooh, I don't even want to say it, 2005, six years ago? Six or seven? No, 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 2019, no, no, sorry. 2003. One of my statistics professors told me, as a side issue, don't ever sign up for one of those frequent shopper cards, ever. He knew what they were for. He said it's a big data mining project, and what they're going to do is they're going to pitch it to you as a way to save money, but really it's just going to trap all your data, and, and they're just going to sell it to other corporations, and they're going to target market you, and, and, and that's it. He gave me the whole breakdown, and everything that he said came true, and I will never forget those things. And I think it's just they've figured out that we're complacent and we're lazy. And so they know. They've done their profiles on me and their actuaries on me. They know what I will and won't do. They know that I'm an honest person. They know that I'm in, uh, I have integrity. They know that I won't sell out to the establishment. Not to say that my show is a huge, big deal – but believe me, they're monitoring all of us. If they're monitoring Adam Kokesh, believe me, they're monitoring me because I'm affiliated with them. So just go ahead. I understand that. And I'm not scared. What am I scared of? That these people might come and, and harass me or might come and arrest me at a protest? Give me a break. I'm more, I'm more afraid of what will happen if you guys keep going with this craziness. Cops shooting people all the time. Some person calls a cop a punk and they shoot him in the chest. I mean, stop. And that's what I'm saying. Listen, cops, if you're listening to this, and I know that you are, because there's a lot of – once again, I have friends that are cops. I love you guys to death. I can never do your job because of all the crazy people you deal with. But do me a huge favor and do the American public a huge favor. Take all of your battle gear equipment, your Battlestar Galactica equipment. Okay, sorry about that. Okay, it looks like we're back now. I just got dropped by Skype somehow. But um, anyway, so what happened, there's this 15-year-old boy, and the 15-year-old boy is having some issues, and he's having challenges at school and what have you. And he starts contemplating taking his own life. And... The cops get called, and the parents call the cops. The cops show up, and they show up in a SWAT vehicle because obviously the guy's got a gun if he's threatening to kill himself. So you got to show up in a SWAT vehicle. And I got in a discussion with with somebody about, well, you you want that intimidation factor, you, dude? You don't need that intimidation. You don't. You, come on, it's silly. So they show up in the SWAT vehicle. The kids, obviously, you know, little. Out of it, you know, being 15, there's a lot of stuff going on when you're 15. So they come up and they try negotiating with the kid, and then they have a sniper sitting off to the side, and um, and the kid's over by the window, and he he tells everybody to get back and points the gun out the window, so the sh sniper shoots him, shoots the 15 year old kid dead. There's your negotiation. Now. 
I don't know what he did with the gun. He was just nervous. He just said, "Get back, get back." I just he didn't want the attention. And I, I get and and the parents were like, "Good God, I think we just wanted some help. I didn't know I didn't know you were going to come over and kill our kid." It's the same story that happened over in uh, in Texas with a kid getting thrown into CPS because the neighbor called the cops because she smelled pot coming from the house. So they came and took the kid, and the kid dies in foster care. Victory. Because you people that are on your high horse about marijuana that are completely misguided, completely, I bet you can't even tell me the law that makes marijuana illegal. I bet you can't. But even so, is it really worth killing a child over somebody smoking a joint? You have to ask yourself that. You have to. Here's what I don't want. Everybody's like, I don't think that we need – and it's in this um, clip that I got coming up from CNN. I broke up the interview in three different parts. It's where Sanjay Gutta, who is the a neurosurgeon – he doesn't know what he's talking about – talking about that he misled the public, and the public has been completely misled on medicinal marijuana, on medicinal cannabis. Yeah, you guys have been propagandized. You've been propagandized to go to war. You've been propagandized to keep one of the best textile makers out of the, you know, out of our grass for over 50 years. Because it's really fun to go along with the state. Because the state knows because they've got, you know, they've got people up there that are representing us. They're not representing you, not anymore. They're representing the special interests. And that's why if you believe that the elections aren't rigged, which all signs point to yes. But if you believe that they're not rigged, in the 2014 election, if you don't really look at who's running for your house, senator, everything, local legislature, and if they're not a freedom-loving person, take the label off. I don't give a damn if you're a Democrat, Republican, or Republicrat, or, or whatever you want to call yourself. If you stand for the Constitution and freedom, that will at least get our rudder back. And try to move some of these things out of here. Move the damn Department of uh, Education out of here. I mean, holy crap, how much does that cost us? The state controlling education? That's communism. Call me up and disagree with me. That's communism. The state having control of education. A central bank having control of the money supply. Communism. It is not hard to see why we're having issues, and then they blame all the issues on capitalism, which this is not free market capitalism. This is crony corporate corporatism. I mean, and that's what the Soviet Union said it should have been called. It should have been called corporatism. Well, welcome to the Soviet Union about 30 years ago, everybody. Now, are we just going to lay down like they did when they come and start rounding up political dissonance and stuff like that? And I know that that sounds conspiracy theory, but look at all this crap that's going on. Really? Look at all this stuff that's going on, and you're telling me that if a bunch of yahoos didn't get together and say, lock up all the people that want to have guns, that, that the government wouldn't just jump at the chance. Especially these power-grabbing, sycophantic psychopaths that we have in there now. Not saying all of you guys, but if you want a real test of the population, I just saw a thing on the Drudge Report today that said that Chris Christie is leading among GOP voters as the front runner for president. If Chris Christie gets in, and then it's Chris Christie against Hillary Clinton, 
It's the same damn thing we just went through. And you guys are all morons, and I'm leaving this country. I don't care what I will have to do. I will be leaving this country if Chris Christie or Hillary Clinton get elected as president. And you guys can all clap and say, oh, yes, oh, yes, we had a victory for women's rights. That woman doesn't give a flying rip about you. Her husband got caught getting a BJ in the White House, and you know what she did? Nothing. Every other woman on the planet was like, oh, my God, I would have torn his balls off. My wife even said that. She's like, I would have – never mind. But politics has now turned into a circus, and the only way that we can get Washington to pay attention is if you impeach the head clown. That's all we can do is if you take the ringmaster and tell him to get the F out, which – kind of creeps me out because then we'll get Joe Biden in there, but I don't know. At least I guess we'll have to get to have a shotgun or something. I don't know. But this is all like overwhelming because if you look at just some of the articles today that I wanted to get into um, in the show, here, I'll just read you the headlines and then I'll go over these um, I'll, I'll go over these shortly. Russia warns Obama the global war over bee apocalypse is coming very soon. Time magazine is talking about the bee apocalypse. But don't worry. Barack Obama and Monsanto are good buddies. Um, here's a Paul Craig Roberts article, and it says that Washington thinks you're stupid. I love Paul Craig Roberts. Father of Reaganomics, just an incredible person. And I love um, – I don't know. I just love his writing. I think he's got a lot of insight. And he's been at the highest ranks of government. I mean, Jesus, he was – Ronald Reagan's um, right-hand man for finance, so chief economist. So obviously he doesn't know what's going on, and he's the one that's talking about the central bankers all the time. You know, anybody that knows anything about economics is pointing their finger at the central banks, and then the population just walks around like everything's fine. And then here's the next article: update U.S. Congress wins relief on Obamacare health plan subsidies. Oh. They don't have to pay, guys. We do. We got to join Obamacare. They're all exempt. Just part of the new class, as I talk about all the time. The government class. They are the new class. Washington Examiner, IRS agent, tax agency is still targeting Tea Party groups. Why does this not shock me at all? And this is an, this is another one. Um, this is Breitbart. Uh, apartment property management gun ban overturned by owners. Yeah, they tried to say that um, – the management group tried to say that we're not going to let you have guns here. And um, yeah, so they fought back and won. This is what happens when you fight back. When you got to resist, you can't just lay down these people. Um, let's see. New York Times, NSA said to search content of messages to and from the United States. <laughs> but remember, Alexander said that we don't we don't do it. I'm sorry. I played this last show, and I'm going to play it again. This is um, – I'm, I'm just going to play a little bit of it. And this is where he was actually in front of Congress, and they were asking, do you collect this? Do you collect that? No, no, no. So I'm going to play this, and then um, I'll get into the rest of the um, rest of the news. And then I have a um, a topic for everybody to ponder at the end of the show, and it's um, from – I think this is from the AP, but um, here is here is a clip of what um, 
Yeah, what goes on in Congress? Remember, these people think they're lying to protect you, the public. They're lying to basically see if they can get away with it, knowing that what they're saying is incorrect. But they use this low tone, and they try not to have any voice inflection or anything. So here is a clip of the NSA director. This is back in 2011, getting questioned by uh, Hank Johnson, which don't really go by what Hank Johnson says because this is the guy that believes that um, that Guam would tip over if um, yeah, too many people got on it. I'm I'm serious. Guam will tip over. So anyway, if you want to laugh, go look that up on YouTube. Hank Johnson, um, Guam will tip over. Anyway, here is a, here's the clip for just a minute, and then on the backside, I will get into the rest of the news that I wanted to cover. Thanks for uh, thanks for joining. Remember, follow me on Twitter. We are not cattle, the number one. Uh, check out the website wearenotcattle.net, and also um, find me on Facebook. We are not cattle on Facebook, and also join the Alternative Currency Day which is uh, December 23rd. Try to get um, with local groups and um, and try to get um, some bartering going. Trade some silver, trade some bullets. I mean, <sighs> I mean if we're going to be if we're going to be thought criminals, we better be major thought criminals people and just withdraw consent from the system. So, here is the clip. But uh, General Alexander um, if Dick Cheney uh, were elected president and wanted to detain and incessantly waterboard every American who sent an email making fun of his well-known hunting mishaps. Uh, what I'd like to know is, does the NSA have the technological capacity to identify those Cheney bashers based upon the content of their emails? Yes or no? No. Can I explain it? Hmm. Yes. No, you, you, well, actually, I'll... Um... I'll get the explanation right here. Hold on a second. Well, um, we'll go through and read this uh, little explanation here. Um, it's a pretty lengthy article, so I'll just read portions of it. So the NSA said to search content of messages to and from the U.S. Remember, um, no, just no, no, we don't do that. The National Security Agency is searching through content of vast amounts of American emails, text communications into and out of the country, hunting for people that mention information about foreigners under surveillance, according to our intelligence officials. Of course. Of course. They're just they're just collecting data on the terrorists. Come on, guys. Don't be paranoid. Don't be paranoid, even though yeah, whatever. NSA is not just intercepting the communications of Americans who are in direct contact with foreigners targeted overseas, a practice that government officials have openly acknowledged. Now, i got no problem with that if you're whatever. It has also cast far wider net for the people who cite information linked to those foreigners, the, like a little-used email address, according to senior intelligence official. While it has long been known that the agency conducts intensive computer searches of data that vacuums up overseas and systematically searches them without warrants through the contents of American communications that cross the border reveal more about the scale of its secret operations. It also adds another element to the unfolding debate provoked by the disclosures of Edward Snowden, a former NSA contractor, about whether the agency has infringed on Americans' privacy um, as it scoops up emails and phone data in its quest to veer out foreign intelligence. 
Government officials say, oh yeah, remember they're officials, they're not servants. Government officials say that the border cross surveillance authorized by the 2008 law, which the FISA Amendment Act, in which Congress approved eavesdropping on domestic soil without warrants as long as the target was a non-citizen abroad. Voice communications are not included in that or surveillance, as the official said. Yeah, it, it, it wasn't. So anyway, asked to comment, uh, Judith Emanuel, the NSA spokesperson, did not directly address the surveillance across border communications, but she said the agency's activities were lawful and intended to gather intelligence not about Americans, but about the foreign powers and agents foreign organizations, foreign persons, and international or international terrorists, which we run. In carrying out the signals of intelligence mission, the NSA collected only what exploits authorized to collect. Oh, really? You guys only collect what you are explicitly authorized to collect. Okay. Once again, they just use blatant lies and cover it up with legal jargon. Moreover, the agency's activities are are deployed only in response to the requirements for information to protect the country and its interests. Oh, and its interests. Oh, it'd be like Mons- somebody probably produced a, a seed in Monsanto and then got SWAT teamed or something. Hints of the surveillance appeared in a set of rules leaked by Snowden for how the NSA may carry out the 2008 FISA law. One paragraph mentioned, and I read this on air. That the agency seeks to acquire communications about a target that that are not to or from the target. The pages were posted online in the newspaper The Guardian on June 20th. But the telltale paragraph that ruled out the top secret amid 18 pages of restrictions went largely overlooked amid other disclosures. To conduct surveillance, the NSA temporarily copies and sifts through content, which appears in most emails and text-based communications across the border. A senior intelligence official who, like the former and current government officials, spoke on the condition of anonymity because of the sensitivity of the topic. said that the NSA makes a clone of selected communication links rather than grab the communication by declining the specific details that lack the volume of data that passes through it. They're grabbing everything and making copies, guys. I mean, this is not rocket science. Computer science has said that it would, and this is also the greatest thing, this is also the greatest, I guess, simulation of damage control I've ever seen in my entire life. It's it's just damage control hoping that it will all go away, and if the American public goes back to sleep and it all goes away, then we get the tyranny that we deserve. The officials said that the computer searches the data, identifying keywords and other quote-unquote selectors, and stores them to match the human analysis that could examine them later. The remaining communications, the officials said, are deleted, and the entire process takes a small number of seconds, and the system has no ability to perform retrospective searching. The officials said that the keyword and other search terms were very precise, and a minimized number of American communications were flagged by the program. At the same time, the official acknowledgement that there have been times where the change communication providers or the technology has led them an inadvertent overcollection. They always use that. It's like, oh, it's just inadvertent that we grabbed everything. I'm sorry. Oh, you made a phone call? Oh, that was an inadvertent. We inadvertently grabbed it. The NSA monitors these problems, fixes them, and reports such incidents to over, overseers in the government, the officials said. <laughs> the overseers in the government that completely denied that they knew this stuff was going on. 
I feel so much better. Disclosure shields an additional light uh, sheds an additional light on the statements the intelligence officials have made recently, assuring the public that they do not have target Americans for surveillance without warrants. Hmm. And it goes on and on. I guess I could read the rest of this. I got time. The House Intelligence Committee oversight hearings from June, for example, pressed the duty of the director John Inglis said whether the agency listens to phone calls or reads emails, texts of American citizens. English says we do not target the content of the American com- American person's communications with a specific warrant anywhere on earth. Timothy Edgar, a former, a former intelligence official for the Bush and Obama administration, said that the rule is concerning the collection, quote-unquote, about a person targeted for surveillance rather than directed at the person provoked the in- the significant internal discussion. There's an there's an ambiguity ambiguity in the law about what it means to target someone. Mr. Edgar said visiting professor at Brown, you never intentionally target someone inside the United States. Those words we're looking at, most of the words we're looking at. Once again, legalese crap. We're mostly concerned about making sure that the procedures only target communications that have one party outside the United States. The rule they ended up writing was secretly approved by the Foreign Intelligence Committee. The Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court, the FISA court, said that the NSA must ensure that one of the participants in any conversation that is acquired when it's searching for the conversations about the targeted foreigner must be outside the United States, so the surveillance is technically directed at the foreign end. American communications singled out further analysis and were held in accordance without minimization rules to protect privacy approved by the surveillance court. If private information is not relevant and understood in the foreign intelligence, it is deleted. If it is relevant, the agent can retain it and disseminate it through other agency. the rules show. It says, while the paragraph hinting at the surveillance was attracted little attention, the American Civil Liberties Union, oh, those guys, did take note about the target language uh, post in June 21st, analyzing the larger set of rules, arguing that the language can be interpreted by allowing bulk collection of international communication, including those from Americans. That's correct, and you guys can read the article. I will put it up on the uh, website, wearenotcattle.net, under the supporting documents for this show after this show is over. So remember, they're spying on us, but they're not spying, but they inadvertently spy, so everything's fine. I feel I, at least we're protected from the terrorists that we run in other countries. So that makes me feel good. So let's talk about what's going on with this surveillance and, and who is being targeted. And it says IRS agent, tax agency is still targeting Tea Party groups. Yes, they are. And they're also disseminating this to local law enforcement agencies. This is so good. Don't you feel so free right now knowing that everything you say and do is getting siphoned into a computer database and then disseminated down to your local police? So if you ask somebody if you want to come over and you know do something and, and they, they flag it as terrorism, they can send it down to your local quote-unquote threat fusion center and um, and have a SWAT team come by and say hi to you? Sounds like such freedom. This is awesome. So anyway, continuing in the article. In a remarkable omission, it is likely to rock the Internal Revenue Service. 
because they're a private collection arm for the Federal Reserve. Never mind. Testimony released Thursday by the House Ways and Means Commission, David Kemp, reveals that the agency involved in reviewing the tax exemption applications from conservatives group told a committee investigator that the agency is still targeting Tea Party groups three months after the IRS scandal erupted. I can't believe it. We wagged our finger at them and they didn't stop. Wow. I'm serious, man. We might have to just withdraw complete consent from the system. This is getting bonkers. I mean, I don't I don't know what to do. This is this is ridiculous. It's like stop doing that. Okay, you caught us. Yep, we're 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 targeting people. That's what we do. Yep. Yep, you got us. You still doing it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're still doing it, but you know, Benghazi stuff's kinda come up and then we'll have to issue a fake terror alert to get everybody out of, you know, the Middle East so we can pretend like we did something. Such a joke. I mean, what do you guys think? We're like children? Well, I guess the, the domesticated public is like a bunch of children. It's just, it's, it's really sick. Okay, in a closed-door testimony before the House Ways and Means Committee, the unidentified IRS agent said the request for special tax status exemptions from Tea Party groups is being forced into a special secondary screening because the agency is yet to come up with a new guidance of how to judge the tax status of these groups. And its transcript from the committee proved... Proved to or excuse me, in a transcript from the committee provided to Secrets a Ways and Means investigator. Oh, that's awesome! The guy's name is Secrets. Secrets a Ways and Means investigator asked, "If you saw, I'm asking this currently. If today, if a Tea Party case, a group, a case from the Tea Party group came on your desk, you reviewed the file, and there was no evidence of political activity, would you potentially approve the case? Is that something that you would do?" The agent said, at this point, I would send it to a secondary screening political advocacy. The committee staffer then said, so you would treat a Tea Party group as a political advocacy case, even though there is no evidence of political activity on the application. Is that right? The agency and the agent admitted, based on my current manager's direction, uh-huh. Camp called the renewing target of Tea Partiers outrageous. Well, dude. Why are you guys getting all upset about this? This is ridiculous. You knew that they were going to do it. I mean, we told them this. I don't understand. We told a bunch of criminals to just stop. We told them to just stop robbing people and killing people. They didn't stop. I can't believe it. Yeah, they're criminals, guys. People are criminals. They are here to enslave you. They are not here to make your day. This is so ridiculous. An added committee said that in plain English, the IRS is still in. Oh, added a committee aide. In plain English, the IRS is still targeting Tea Party cases. During 2010 and 2012 period, when the anti-Obama Tea Party groups faced a special scrutiny from the IRS, from the president's IRS agents, to be on the lookout or B O L O, Bolo. A list which said the groups were, with words like Tea Party in their titles should face special secondary screening for political activities that might hamper their special tax status. When the scandal erupted after the Treasury Department and Treasury Department Inspector General revealed the improper political scrutiny, the act headed of the acting head of the IRS, Danny Werfel, said the be on the lookout list had been suspended. That was six weeks ago. Yep, they suspended it till the next day. We're gonna 
stop this for right now. Asked by the committee of how it handles Tea Party applications, the agent said, if political advocacy case came in, I would give it or talk about it to my manager because right now we really don't have any direction on it or haven't had any you know, for the last month and a half. Camp, the Michigan Republican, told Secrets, it's outrageous that the IRS management continues to target Tea Party cases without justification. The harassment, abuse, and delays of these Americans have faced in the last few years has been unwarranted, unprovoked, and at times possibly illegal. Dude, they're criminals. They don't care. Once again, it's like, oh, we don't want to have firearms. We don't, we don't need firearms. The criminals are going to have guns. What the hell? The fact that the IRS still continues to treat the Tea Party differently and subject to additional targeting is outrageous and must stop immediately. I'm sure they will get right on that after they're done destabilizing all of Syria. That'll come up next. So, anyway, that's all of that article I've got for you right now. I am going to take a um, I'm going to take a quick break here, and I will see you guys back in a uh, in a minute or so. Let's um. Hey, let's give them some props. I mean, they did some good work. Um, why don't we give um, why don't we give some props to CNN? This is a four-minute clip about uh, Bilderberg that didn't exist, but but now it does because CNN says it exists. Welcome back to the lead. I'm Jake Tapper. Now it's time for the buried lead. That's a story we do not think is getting enough play. When you think of secret societies, you think of groups of rich old men like Mr. Burns from The Simpsons sitting around a ridiculously long table, all trying to top each other with their best diabolical laugh. It makes for a fun cartoon, but in reality, such societies and secretive meetings do exist. And one is going on right now behind closed doors in England. The Bilderberg Group is a meeting of the most influential people in Europe and North America. Wall Street investors, business moguls, politicians, royalty, they're all coming together and keeping the media and everyone else out. What are they discussing? What are they plotting? Doesn't the public have a right to know? Well, apparently, no. Though, what they chat about could very well end up impacting your 401k or who knows what else. Security was tight today at the Grove Hotel in this leafy area north of London. 140 members of the global elite arrived here for a top-secret, hush-hush, off-the-record conference in the English countryside. How's this for a guest list? the head of the International Monetary Fund, former Treasury Secretary Tim Geithner, the heads of Amazon.com, Google, and BP Oil, former General and CIA Director David Petraeus, and what's a top-secret cabal of puppet masters without Henry Kissinger? All of them came here today for the Bilderberg Conference. That's Bilderberg, not Bilderberg. Participants are tight-lipped about discussions other than to say topics will range from the economy to jobs to U.S. foreign policy, what the organizers call megatrends and the major issues facing the world. Reporters and outsiders are not allowed in and everything is off the record. Organizers say that so participants can take time to listen, reflect, and gather insights. Protesters from around the globe have descended upon the venue, objecting to the secret nature of the meetings, which have been going on behind closed doors among European and North American elites since 1954. Protester Daniel Kirby explains. 
It's just a gathering of people who are concerned that our elected politicians who promise transparency are meeting in secret with the heads of top banks, pharmaceutical companies, weapons companies, you, know, you name it, European royalty are in there sort of thing. Um, it's just it's just incredible that they can say one thing and do the other. Now, if you're thinking this is just another cabal of the people who secretly run the world, so does noted author, provocateur, and conspiracy theorist Alex Jones from InfoWars. Magna Carta has been restricted for the scum globalists that are in there. Jones is broadcasting live from the conference this week. They want you dead, Governor. Why? They're out to kill me. Some pretty nutty conspiracy theories about the group abound. They're hiding the cure for cancer, for example. But just because Bigfoot believers who are often offensively wrong are on the case here does not mean there isn't reason for the rest of us to be wary as these masters of the universe confab away from cameras. The conference wraps up on Sunday, and organizers say there will be no resolutions or votes and no policy statements. I think it would be very naive to think that all of these people are going to turn up to a meeting unless it has some effect. Gerard Batten is a member of the European Parliament for London. I'm sure that they are actually reaching decisions about which way public policy should be going in the countries that are represented, and of course in the European Union. We'll have to wait and see if any of the attendees choose to speak about what happened at the conference. Let me also say it appears my invitation was lost in the mail, an oversight that we here at The Lead hope will be corrected next year. Of course, you can share your conspiracy theories about the event with me on Twitter, at Jake Tapper, all one word. Uh, thank you, Mr. Tapper. Once again, CNN is trying to do journalism. Kind of crazy stuff. And it's not the, it's like a kind of a tongue-in-cheek thing. You know, guys, I, I know that there's probably a lot of good reporters over there that aren't on power trips and stuff like that. I know you guys are probably trying to do some good stuff, but then you get it to um, to the desk and, and the, um, the editor, program manager says, no, nah, we're going to go with this story. We're going to go with this. I think this is what people want. And I think that CNN, before Fox, has started to figure out that People want some hardcore news. But guess what, guys? You're way too late. The alternative media is basically taken over, and nobody really trusts your credibility anymore. I mean, you do some good work every now and then, but then again, you always got to go back to the political infighting. We can't unite under a um, Constitution Bill of Rights. But you can watch the banks completely gang rape us and you know, take us down a, roll of, um, a road of serfdom again. You know, So I guess everything's all right in your world. So let's get into um another good um another good article they did. And that is um that is by uh, Sanjay Gupta who's going to do a um I guess he's doing a documentary that's going to be released next year. And I've broken this up and it's with Pierce Morgan, so if you do have a um if you do have like a a vomit bag or something near you, you can you can utilize your vomit bag when Pierce Morgan speaks. But um he actually makes some good points as well. So here is the uh, here's the first part of the clip, and then uh, I think I'm going to have some guys pop in here in a little bit. If you want to join the broadcast, by all means, please do. Remember, it's the People's Show, 602-753-1916. Or if you're listening live on Blog Talk Radio, and don't try to convince me that you're not, because I see the numbers, people. I know that people are listening live. Go to... Right where it says guest call-in button, you can click the Skype icon and you can call right from your computer. So, And Skype does actually sound better, so I would prefer that. But uh, 
You know, I haven't heard from a couple of people that used to call in a lot. I haven't heard from my guy down in Florida a little bit. And um, I haven't heard from a couple of my guys down in Florida. Let's see if I can't get them on the show for this evening. But uh, thanks for listening live if you're listening now. And uh, spread the word about the broadcast. Let's try to have a conversation here and let's try to get together collectively, once again, as individuals, but collectively get together and, and try to incite change. And I think that the best way that we can go and do it is um, is not banish everything because then you create a power vacuum and that never turns out well. But um, if you just do it in baby steps, and I think that we're doing that because I'm seeing whistleblowers and but then you see the power structure speeding up with all their crap and then you see society degrade faster so it's it's literally a race for the human consciousness right now and that's all it boils down to it's like are you a conscious living breathing human being that understands that you live in a tyranny that that your rights are being taken away and that and that cops have turned into thugs and they're like little gangs now have you guys gotten to that point yet as soon as you get there Welcome to the Liberty Movement, guys, because the only thing that's going to be able to save us is to restore liberty and the rule of law to this nation. That is it. Once again, sorry for the anarcho-capitalist, but I had to give a tagline that people that don't, um, that don't follow our, our ideology will be able to understand. So here is the first clip from uh, CNN. Uh, I think it was released today. So here you go. From Dr. Sanjay Gupta's documentary, Weed, which airs on CNN this Sunday night. Sanjay spent a year investigating the fight over medical marijuana. More and more Americans are using it. Just a few days ago, Washington, D.C. opened up its first medical marijuana dispensary. And CNN's chief medical correspondent, Dr. Sanjay Gupta, joins me now. Sanjay, welcome to you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So, come on, you've been looking at this for a year. And I want to remind you that in nine, uh, 2009, you wrote a Time magazine article entitled Why I Would Vote No on Pot. You changed your mind. I, I have, and and, uh, and as part of uh, you know my thinking, reason I, I've apologized for some of the earlier reporting because I think you know we've been terribly and systematically misled in this country for some time, and I, I was I did part of that misleading. You know, if, if you look at all the papers that are written in the United States about marijuana, the vast majority of them are about the harm. That we fund studies on harm, we don't fund studies on benefit nearly as much. So it gives a distorted picture. But you know, I didn't look far enough. I didn't look deep enough. I didn't look at labs in other countries that are doing some incredible research. I didn't listen to the chorus of patients who said, not only does marijuana work for me, it's the only thing that works for me. I took the DEA at their word when they said it's a Schedule One substance and has no medical applications. There was no scientific basis for them to say that. So when, when New York Mayor Bloomberg was quoted as saying medical marijuana is the greatest hoax of all time, what do you say there? I, I'm surprised. You know, I mean, I, I uh, follow a lot of the mayor's comments quite closely. I listen to those comments as well. He, as part of those same comments, he was saying that the potency of marijuana has gone up. That is true. It has gone up probably over the last several years. But I, I urge him to look at the scientific papers. I was just looking at them again in preparation for your show. The science is there. This isn't anecdotal. This isn't the realm, in the realm of conjecture anymore. I mean, for a long time, we've just ignored these papers. But this was a drug, you know, that was used for thousands of years. Now, in Yay! your documentary, you get into the effects of medical marijuana, which sometimes can be quite instant. It's quite dramatic. It, it really can. It works, and it can work very quickly. In fact, let, let me just show you. Hey, there's a clip of the guy with two strings. Meet 19-year-old Chaz Moore. He uses many different strains of marijuana, many of them high in CBD, to treat his rare disorder of the diaphragm. My abs will, like, lock up. That's why he's talking this way, almost speaking in hiccups. 
like he can't catch his breath. It's called myoclonus diaphragmatic flutter. This fluttering here, it's annoying, but it becomes painful yeah. uh, pretty quickly, I imagine. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, after like 15, 20 minutes, this is where I can like start to really feel it. He's about to show me how the marijuana works. He's been convulsing now for seven minutes. How quickly do you expect this to work? Within like the first five minutes. And I'm done. Like, that's it. That's it. It was actually less than a minute. Yeah, buddy. Remember, the government told you that there is, and this was what came out in the congressional hearings back in the 70s, that they found no medicinal benefit. That's why they've had no stage three testing. This is why I get really frustrated with people that try to tell me what medicinal marijuana can do. Listen, I've had I, I interviewed Robert Platchorn. You guys go listen to that interview. It's it's actually doing all really well now. But um I interviewed him and there's some reverb on there, so I'm actually gonna upload some better audio or might do that to the YouTube channel. But uh, we didn't get into that. We talked about a lot about his his bringing up in his new book that he's coming out with, talking about the um, the drug war and and actually the prison private prison labor that's going on, which is another really big issue here in America that people don't talk about because once again you're taking nonviolent people like um, medicinal marijuana users or just casual marijuana users and locking them up in prison for an inordinate amount of time and they make great laborers and you don't have to actually pay them a ton of money um, because you pay them like 25 cents an hour. So it's it's absolutely ridiculous. But I will um, go and grab some of the clips that we did when we interviewed him when I was on the Adam versus the Man podcast. And he talked about that the that the proofs of marijuana is that it reduces spasticity. That's one of them. It it is a lung expander, which is another one. There, there's a lot of them, and I mean, there's there's very little side effects. Nobody's ever died from an overdose of marijuana or anything like that. And then, of course, you have the classical argument that it's a gateway drug, and I guess it could be a gateway drug. But shoot, caffeine could be a gateway drug to people. I mean, let's let's be honest here. Do we need to go around and regulate? I mean, look at how bad alcohol is. And just think of it in perspective like this. If you get hit by a guy that's on marijuana, he's probably going to be going the speed limit maybe a little bit slower. If you get hit by a guy on alcohol who's been at a club or something like that that's trying to show off to his buddies, he's going to hit you at about 80 or 90 miles an hour. You might have a chance of surviving if the pothead hits you, but if the alcoholic hits you, you're dead. Let's face it. Alcohol kills way more people than anything else in this country as far as substances go, even though, you know, creeping right up there, oh, excuse me, alcohol, tobacco, and um, and opiates, prescription opiates, are now the largest killers of almost everything on the planet from a human perspective. If anything, it just absolutely degrades your life. So in order to dial that back, once again, it's a, they say it's a gateway drug. What could be worse? I mean, you've got somebody in a white lab coat giving you, literally, giving you opium, opiates. And that's okay because they're wearing a white lab coat. Now, if you take you take three opiates and drink you know, three beers, it's over. It is over. 
you get behind or you you might be alive, you'd feel absolutely fantastic probably, but you just absolutely destroyed your liver. There was a lot of absolutes there. But anyway, transitioning off of that, I want to continue with this because it's really fascinating. Because once again, I am an advocate for medicinal marijuana because I know that it works. There's been proven research that it works. And I think that it's silly that we tell people that they can't have a cancer treatment because somebody 50 years ago wanted to corner the um, wanted to corner the the cotton industry and didn't want competition. That's silly. Once again, I think the the role of president is silly. I think that we have that we have elected officials is silly. I, I, there's a lot of things that I think are silly, but one thing at a time. And once again, if you expose how this was kept in the dark of the people about how they actually has benefits and there's there's actually not many negative side effects you know and you get the you get the occasional you know the occasional scholar and it's always some it's always some professor that talks about well pot's an addictive substance and I've seen it destroy people dude I've seen eating destroy people people that get people that get you know, nervous and they eat a bunch that makes them fat and obese and then they die quit trying to save everybody you can't put everybody in a little box just because it's the way that you think that we should live and that's what happens with intellectuals as they get so i know so many of them they get so enamored with the fact that they went to school and then went to they get their they get their masters and now I've got my masters degree and now I'm working for the government and now everything that the government says is true because it was told to me in these books that the government prescribed to me the entire time I was going through school think about what you just told me what do you think that they're going to say well that stuff's really bad well that stuff's really good vaccines are great for you have you read the insert no i haven't but the state tells me it's good once again i'm struggling with that myself trying to figure out what kind of vaccinations it's not that i don't believe in vaccinations and i've i've had this discussion many times i don't trust i don't trust my government are you crazy these guys these guys that sent us off to three worlds, three wars that were all hoaxes. But come on, but but you know they're telling the truth now, just like just like the IRS. Oh no 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 no, we'll stop. You guys stop? No no no, we didn't stop. TSA. Here's another example. TSA. We're gonna stop frisking twelve year olds. Anybody twelve and under, we're gonna stop. Did you stop? No, nah, we stop until the public stops paying attention. We're gonna stop. So here's the rest of the clip from CNN. I mean, that is pretty extraordinary. It, he, he was on so many different meds, peers. It, it, it was a table full of meds that doctors had prescribed for him for this condition, including Oxycontin, Valium. Oh, yeah. Any of those yeah, medications in too high a dose could have been fine. really problematic, and they didn't work. I mean, look, you know, the, the proof is, is, is becoming increasingly clear, I think, if you look for it. Let's take a short break. When we come back, we're going to make things a bit lively, Sandra. You're going to bring in Howard Samuels, the CEO of the Hills Treatment. Now, you, you and he have clashed horns before. We're going to do it again after the break because he does not agree with you. And he's going to be quite forceful about it. Let's get to that after the break. The medical marijuana controversy rages on in America. Should it be legal or not? Let's debate it. Back with us now is Dr. Sanjay Gupta. Also joining us is Howard Samuels, who's a former addict turned founder of the Hills Treatment Center for Drug and Alcohol Rehabilitation. Howard Samuels, we've spoken before about this. You feel very strongly from your own experiences as a personal addict and treating other addicts that it's a real gateway drug, marijuana, and we should not be encouraging it to be legalized. 
Well, absolutely. I mean, I think that the doctor has a very good point that for medical purposes, marijuana can be very, very useful. But you have to understand the vast majority of people that use weed use it to get loaded. They use it to get high. And look, I'm not here to say that it's, you know, worse than alcohol. Of course, it's not worse than alcohol. But why in the world would we legalize another drug so our nation's youth have another substance to abuse and medicate their feelings with? You know, and this is to me the the issue. We don't want to go from one extreme, reefer madness, which we know is a total exaggeration. But we don't want to go to the other extreme where we legalize this drug and endanger so many of our young people. Okay. We want to so find a healthy balance. Okay, let me throw that point to Sanjay. It's a point well made, quite reasoned. Sanjay. Well, I mean, look, it, it, uh, it can be difficult to, to sort of stratify the legitimate patients who have use for cannabis not only as a medication but as the only medication mm-hmm. for their suffering and as as the doctor says people who just want to get loaded or get high that's true but and if it, it's no it, more harmful than alcohol or tobacco why shouldn't it be legalized where isn't there an inconsistency in government policy i i, I think so and, and let me take it a step further than that i think it's irresponsible of the medical community not to offer this as an alternative two points first of all these other medications that we talk about for pain for example morphine dilaudid oxycontin vicodin you name it every nineteen minutes in this country peers in the united yep. states someone dies yep. of an accidental prescription drug overdose this is no joke every nineteen minutes so as we investigated this i couldn't find one documented case of someone dying of a marijuana overdose we also know that for some situations like neuropathic pain which is that lancinating terrible pain people can get in their limbs or extremities sometimes marijuana is the only thing that can actually well, I, I work. Know, I've known someone with cancer who used it and it had huge beneficial effects. I mean, my, my point to you, Howard Samuels, is this, is that I'm going to make a shocking revelation here. I've tried cannabis when I was a young, younger lad and I've also had to have Vicodin when I broke some ribs, falling off embarrassingly a Segway uh, in Santa Monica. And I can tell you that it was the Vicodin uh, which I was prescribed by my doctor which gave me a massively higher high than the cannabis ever did. I couldn't see the logic between making the Vicodin a legally prescribed drug and making cannabis this denomized drug. Explain to me the difference. Oh, see, Pierce, you use two terms that you could never use in the same sentence. Government hypocrisy and logic. You can't use those two terms in the same sentence. Because that's what it is. It's just absolute hypocrisy. Because, well, that's the way that it is. Just kind of like Saks Pachamas. We just spy on the bad guys. It's just metadata. What do you want me to say now? Oh, okay, great. Well, I think cannabis should be illegal. It's a way drug. It just takes people right to smoking crack. No. No. Quit it. You guys need to stop. You guys need to stop. It was medicine for 6,000 years. And one guy decided he wanted to make some money and then got in, you know, had a bunch of fake articles written. And it just, it's absolutely insane. I had to do a whole section on the history of the, of the, of the reason that, that cannabis, they actually even spelled it differently back then. It was M-A-R-I-H-U-A-N-A. They didn't tell people it was cannabis. They said, it's this new marijuana that's coming out that's really dangerous. So anyway, 
It's the same fear porn they're using now with the terrorists. So imagine if marijuana was terrorist back to somebody that's not informed. Because you talk to people today, well, we got we got to just buckle down because our is going to get us. We got to buckle down. And Jacob and I broke down the numbers on the last podcast. It was less than 50,000 real al-Qaeda troops are out in the world. You can fit all of al-Qaeda in the Staples Center. We have 330 million people on this landmass within these imaginary lines driven by drawn by politicians. 330 million of us. You're afraid of 50,000 people. That's silly. I'm trying to ex- explain how weird this is. That we have this fascination that everybody wants to get America. Nobody wants to get America. There's probably a small section, but that's the same section that wants to go get Israel and all these other countries. They're just radical jihadis. It's a, it's a, it's like the, it'd be like worrying about that would be like. Let me see if I can put this. That would be like Iran worried about the neo Nazis, and just going around everywhere and going, look, if we if we don't enslave everybody and take away all your rights, then the neo-Nazis are going to get you. How many are there? There's like 50,000 of these people. I mean, they're everywhere. And we're going to fund them to help destabilize America, but then they're still going to come and get us. So just be be on the lookout for the neo-Nazis. Just that silly. Anyway, we're going to finish up the, uh, the interview here. But did you see in... It's just it, – it, I understand what they're trying to do by having the two different points of view. But what's going to happen is you're going to get some dumb sheeple look at the – well, this guy's a recovering addict, and he knows. He knows what addicts do. I still think it's a gateway drug. Think of it however you want. It's a plant. Yes, Jake, opium is a plant too. All right, third person. Yannicky, you can – Bust my balls next time you're on the air for talking about myself in third person. Actually, I was no, whatever. But I understand that opium is a is a plant too, and I understand all that. But when you take it and you synthetically make it more potent than it is, it's like if somebody made a pot pill, which they've already started doing, they start making like oils and stuff like that. And my friends have told me about it. That they make these like things out, and there's this big new movement out in Colorado that nobody smokes, nobody smokes pot anymore. They all smoke this like like gel substance. I don't know. Look, I don't want to get super whacked out of my mind. Just you guys can have all that stuff. I just want to legalize it for people that need it. I mean, people that, that authentically need this stuff. So anyway, here is the last part of the clip. This is about five minutes long, and then I'll get into the rest of the news that I wanted to cover. The nanny state is everywhere now. It's even coming to the NFL. So get ready. This is absolutely bonkers. The world is going collectively insane. And I'm here just saying, hey, maybe we shouldn't go collectively insane. Let's try to love each other, and let's try to organize, and let's try to restore freedom. Let's try to get out of each other's lives and quit henpecking everybody. And I don't know what it is about the generation that is two in front of mine that would put you in about the 55 to 60-year-old range. What is wrong with you people? You don't need to go around acting like wards of the state and henpecking everybody. You're not our mom. You stay out of my country. You stay out of the way that I live. Please. 
Anthony Antonello did a great interview with this just absolutely brain-dead person that was talking about, well, we need to get rid of him because he's a danger. Why? Because he supports the First and Second Amendment? He's just dangerous. We think that he's dangerous. So now if the little Stasi system, if the little Stasi group decides that they think that you're dangerous, then they're going to go ahead and and try to get you impeached. Absolutely crazy. So here is the um, here is the last of the clip. Enjoy. Well, I have to agree with you. I mean, I have no disagreement with that. I mean, I don't have an issue with marijuana being used for certain pain things. I mean, of course it's safer than Vicodin. I mean, I've had patients die off Vicodin. I've never had anybody die off marijuana. But I have had people come to me, hundreds of people that I've had to treat that have addiction to marijuana, that have serious emotional side effects as a result of that. So I think the issue here is, you know, being able to decriminalize marijuana without question, but not making it legal. Well, but let me ask you this really then. Let me ask you this then. Okay, well, I think that it's safe. Okay, but it's not. Right. I think you're slightly softening your position, though, from when I last spoke to you, because if I'm wrong, you're real, the, the logical extension of your argument is that we should be banning all sorts of prescription drugs, probably alcohol as well, and tobacco. They should all be banned as well as cannabis, because that's the logical way of looking at your argument. No, no, I never, and, and I'm sorry if, I mis, uh, if you misunderstood me, that all these drugs do have a place. The problem is that we don't have a medical restrictions that these drugs are all too open on the market for abuse. Okay, marijuana needs to be a controlled substance, not legalized where we have commercials and we're sort of, you know, the corporations are talking about which drug to get loaded on. You know, marijuana okay. this, marijuana that. Okay, let that's me, what I'm talking about. Okay, let me get a let me get a Sanjay. We have to come up with a different concept. Okay, let me then legalize or not. Let me go back to Sanjay. Let me ask you, Sanjay. I've made my stunning confession. I. Tried a bit of cannabis when I was younger. Have you tried it? I, I, I have tried it. I, I, what are the effect did it have on you compared you know, to, say, drinking alcohol or whatever? Well, you know, the irony is, in, in some ways, because I've worked on this documentary, it was, it was a while ago that I tried this. I, I didn't particularly care for it, actually. I, it, it made me kind of anxious, uh, and, and it wasn't a, a very pleasant feeling, I think. And, 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 and I talked to a lot of people who've, who've had similar sort of experiences. But from a medicinal standpoint, this idea that it can provide something that isn't already provided, I think the doctor, you know, he's sort of saying you're going to see ads for it, making it sound like it's some over-the-counter drug that everyone can buy. Right now it's listed as, as the most dangerous substance. It's in the category of most dangerous Which substances is in America. I think. It, 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 the addiction is possibly real, about 9%. Put it in context, cocaine is about 20%. That's actually considered less dangerous than marijuana. Mm. Alcohol is, has a higher rate of addiction. Smoking, 30%. And, and that leads to far more deaths than marijuana. So it's, 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 I, I just don't quite understand the moral equivalence that the doctor is making here. Right. Uh, Howard Samuels, it's always good well, to talk but, to you. But, but, well, I'm the final word to you, Howard Samuels. I'm not saying marijuana is more dangerous than cocaine. Of course it's not. You know, the, the U.S. government ridiculous. is saying that. I am saying, though, that marijuana should not be legalized because it is harmful to the emotional state of people have long-term exposure to it. And I've seen that. And anybody in the treatment field is going to tell you the same thing. But isn't that how Samuel? Samuel, let me jump in. 
let me jump in. Isn't that also true, though, of so many other things? I mean, isn't it true of alcohol, tobacco, Vicodin, everything else? Is that you will have a percentage of people... You have a percentage of people... But here's the point that Sandy's making, is there has to be surely a consistency... not to legalize it. We're doing the same thing. We're, We're giving more people an opportunity to get loaded. Why do we want to support that? Okay, last word to you, Sanjay. Well, look, I, I, I'm not quite sure I follow uh, the, the doctor's arguments here. I, I think it is a potentially very effective medicine that has not been given a fair shake for 70 years in this country. I think it can treat things uh, that other medicines that exist now that are far more dangerous, far more toxic, lead to far more deaths cannot treat. It's, it's bizarre to me, quite frankly. I think it's inhumane to these patients who, who, who can't get this treatment. I met patients in Colorado who, who can get treatment, but they can never leave their state. It, it's ridiculous. And, and the doctor, I think, maybe he would agree with me. Maybe he won't. I'm not sure. I don't understand his position. But it is irresponsible, I think, of the medical community not to have this as an option. I have children. I don't want them getting loaded, as he says, on this stuff either. That's not the point. Right. The point is that we're trying to help take care of people, and we should not take marijuana off the table as an option here. Sanjay, good to leave it there. Good and, to and, talk I, to you. and I totally... I to- no, just shut up, dude. You just wanted to get on TV and have an alternative point of view and think that we're talking about legalizing. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about helping people. I just don't understand like where this revelation of helping people and being friendly and and being a good, wholesome person, where where that went. It's like... It's it's very odd. It's very it's very odd. And then if you go against the state, then you're some kind of you're you're some kind of. It's really weird how they personify you. It's like, well, I don't believe that. I don't believe that we should have a private bank loaning our. Well, you you for the communists? Then it's like, no, dude. I mean, what are you talking about? It's like they have a perceived notion of what reality is. And if you challenge their little candy-coated shell of what they have encapsulated themselves in reality, if you challenge that, then they have to somehow win the argument. We don't have discussions anymore in America. We have arguments. We have we have like childlike arguments too. It's like you stole my book. Well, I don't want it now. It's just it's very very odd, and I think that it is. A lot of it has to do with the educational system here and and the structure of authority that was set up. And and if you see it and you understand it, a lot of people don't – they look at things at first glance. They don't think of it in a couple of different levels. But just think of the way that you were programmed. You were literally programmed to think about marijuana. You were programmed that this drug is illegal and it is illegal for a reason. And what Sanjay Gupta said there is 100% correct. It is a very low, and believe me, I've done the research on it, it is a very low risk of addiction, number one. Number two, very small, minuscule number of effects. He actually mentioned two of them. The paranoia is one of them, and um, the feeling that um, that you're being watched is another one, and shortness of breath, but that's just because... Your your synapses are actually blocked with the THC, and it's it's really difficult to get into in 30 minutes. But but we need to start looking at all the options here. This is becoming ridiculous, and the fact that that cannabis is labeled a Schedule One drug 
is preposterous. Psilocybin mushrooms that are a Schedule One drug is preposterous. Once again, minimal effect on the human ingesting it. Minimal effect on the outside world. I think, and minimal effect on the body in general. That's what I don't get. Our medical system is so ass backwards that they would rather give you synthetic heroin than let you, or give you an antidepressant that'll make you go and shoot up a whole bunch of people, or have thoughts of suicide. And once again, I have know people that have taken these for bipolar and stuff like that, and they say that those drugs are scary as hell. They would rather have bipolar than be on those psychotropic drugs. So I don't know what to say here. Um, I got a caller on the line here. Um, I am going to pull them up. Caller, you are on the air listening to me ramble about how ass-backwards America is. So go ahead. It is completely ass-backwards, sir. Hey, Robert, what's happening, man? Not much. How are you doing? Doing well. Matt couldn't make it on tonight? No, Matthew? No. Uh, he he may be able to jump on later. I'm not sure. Okay. But um, I just played the um, – I broke it up into three segments because I, I wanted to give people some play-by-play on it. And I'm sure you guys talked about it or you're going to talk about it. The Sanjay Gupta interview today that was on CNN that basically took the the community by storm that there was actually a neurosurgeon that spoke out and said, hey, wait, this is all a sham. This stuff shouldn't be illegal. We should probably start using this for people that have real medical issues which is one of the things that I've been pushing from the beginning, but people always get it misconstrued in believing that that I want everybody to go out and get high. I just think that if somebody's hurting and somebody's suffering and you have a plant that can make them feel better, if like somebody has a sunburn, you rub some aloe on it from an aloe plant, that makes them feel better. If somebody's got seizures, and I've got an article that I'll read that here earlier, any kind of spasticity, anything that's spastic, whether you have a spastic colon, you got IBS, you have... Um, asthma, which is spasticity as well, it's spasticity in the lungs, or if you have, um, or if you have any of these other, you know, spastic ailments like the uh, the guy did on the interview, it'll actually help those. But we're not looking at that because the government says it's bad, and they ran Dare and all these other programs to show you how bad it is. Oh, what's what's beautiful about the Dare program and the Just Say No campaign and all that? Is, uh, and, and out of all the different programs that they've had since the 1980s, you know, when the drug war really amped up, um, mm-hmm. they, I was just reading this article that showed all the numbers. And every single program they've ever uh, started uh, in the anti-drug campaign has actually caused an increase of drug use, all except the Don't uh, Just Say No campaign. The Just Say No campaign, though, was um, uh, was labeled as minimally effective. <laughs> but listen, they took all those tax dollars and we're going to save us from the great terror that was drugs. But see, now they've switched it. They're done with the war on drugs. Well, kind of. And they still like to, you know, flashbang people and and throw psilocybin mushrooms in there, you know, bring bags of psilocybin mushrooms in and then say that they found them. I mean, there's still that part of the drug war. But now the drug war is switched to the over-blanketing term of terrorism. And what did you make – I haven't even got your take on this, so I'm going to put you on the spot. What did you make of the, of the terror alerts 
that were sent out right after all of this Benghazi stuff started surfacing, once again on CNN of all places? I, uh, you know, I mean, not to, not to be, uh, you know, spout outrageous conspiracy theories, but it just seems like they needed, they needed something to go, see, spying is okay. Look, we were able to find out that there may or may not be a major event that may or may not kill people in the may or may not be too distant future. <laughs> I got, I, I got somebody that would disagree with you. Hold on a second. Government tracking of phone records has been in the news lately. Is this an invasion of privacy or necessary to keep our country safe? Why or why not? I think the society that we live in today, it's sad that if we go to the movies or to the airport or even to the mall that we have to worry about our safety. So I would rather someone track my telephone messages and feel safe wherever I go than feel like they're um, encroaching on my privacy. Thank you. Okay. Who, so am they, I to, I mean, who am I to disagree with beautiful people with no brains? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. When they ask you this question, be sure to say that you want it, okay? Because that's the way that you're going to win. Don't say you want liberty and freedom, and that's tyranny that we're under. But yeah, it's just um, it's kind of it's kind of funny, isn't it? That to watch the power structure go collectively insane. Did you? Did you hear this today? I haven't even touched on this article yet, but Congress wins relief on Obamacare health plan subsidies. Have you heard this yet? No. What is it again? Oh. Congress wins relief on Obamacare health plan subsidies. Guess what they did today? They wrote a little amendment. Yes, they did. Because remember, they're not coming a mile away. No, but here, here, but you know, it's it's justified because Nancy Pelosi says, "Hold on a second, hold on, hold on, wait, where where are we gonna find it?" Uh, I had it. Dang it! Where is Nancy Pelosi? I, I think my mind doesn't want me to find her because the because the statement she said was so so ridiculous, big government ridiculousness. I I all right, so I can't find it. Uh, this is gonna aggravate the hell out of me. All right, so anyway, yeah, they made themselves exempt because, and I, I don't want to, I'm going to paraphrase. Oh, here it is. Nancy Pelosi says this because it was an unintended, she says, this week or last week, House Democratic leader Nancy Pelosi said the language problem could have caused, quote, unintended collateral damage of the congressional staff, causing many of them to leave for the private sector. And then it says, it goes on to say, they are a tremendous intellectual resource, people who could, shall we say, be better compensated financially outside of the government. So, once again, <laughs> we're going to exempt ourselves so you can stay here and be part of the club instead of going out into the free market and trying to do things with your life and actually bettering society. You stay here with, with Big Mama government, and we'll we'll take care of you. We'll make sure you get one of those good old waivers from Obamacare. Oh, my goodness. Well, because I remember when the Obamacare first came out, there was a lot of talk that Congress exempt themselves. No, they, they the did and they, and they, and, it, and it turned out to be you know just one of those Fox News talking points type thing, mm -hmm. uh, so I thought, well, you know that's how it usually works. They usually say they're going to do something and then don't do it, and then when everybody's 
forgotten about it, they do it. Kind of like when they, you know, they pass a law that says that, you know, Congress and the Senate isn't allowed to be involved in insider trading. And then mm-hmm. just a few, not even a year later, they're like, oh, well, never mind, we got this. <laughs> no, I, so I read the like I read the breakdown doing. online. It was I read the breakdown on air, and what they did was they said that it was it took ninety seconds. It's like okay, we're going to repeal this section of the amendment that says that we can't insider trade, and then we're going to add another provision that says if you want to come investigate the financials of anybody in Congress, whether it's Nancy Pelosi or one of her little minions. You actually actually physically have to go to Washington, D.C., go into the basement of records, log into a computer, and then pay 25 cents a copy for all the records you want. I mean, that's freedom. No, that's transparency, dude. I mean, you have access to the records. I mean, come on. That's transparent. Yeah, yeah you have so access. What, there you go. <laughs> exactly. Hey, what's, uh, what's front and center on your radar screen, man? What have you guys been looking at? I was uh, I was commenting earlier. Um, I messaged Anthony Antonello when I watched his video that he posted today about interviewing this woman, and I just felt like, and I, I literally went through. Uh, this show has been kind of all over the place. I went through a section of the show where I was literally going through like stages of just complete empathy, where I'm just I'm so distraught that people are this out of touch with reality that they. She says like. The guy's like, I support the First and Second Amendment, and she's like, well, he's dangerous. And he goes, well, what about supporting the First and Second Amendment? Well, he just doesn't know how people are down here, and he's dangerous. Like, What is this yeah. mental illness that everybody – that the public has to tell everybody else what to do? I, I, I don't understand it. I think it's, uh, it, it's just another symptom of the psychology of authority, especially now that authority is being challenged to a point where – our entire conversation nationally is changing. Instead of asking if if we uh, if we could, we're starting to ask if we should, and you know, and people are starting to go, hey, that's that shouldn't be illegal. No victim, no crime. Hey, I should be allowed to do with my body what I please. Hey, I should be allowed to do what I want with my property as I see it. You know, long mm-hmm. as it doesn't infringe upon the rights of everybody else. So now, mm-hmm. all these people who are stuck in this cognitive dissonance are are just freaking out they're you know well what about the first and second amendment it's uh, dangerous yeah <laughs> you know where they don't even know what is coming out of their mouth a friend of mine uh used to call back in our uh experimental days and in, in our teenage years is when someone would shoot salad when they would just something would come out of their mouth and it made no sense mm-hmm. you know and that's what these people are they're a bunch of salad shooters you put in you put in facts and logic and and reasoning into their brain, and out comes a melody of bullcrap. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's a great way to put it because, and it's 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 collective mental illness too. And it's like they gang up on you if you challenge the system. It's very bizarre. Like I have never, and I'm sitting there looking around, going, these people actually believe this stuff. It's like you know, I I even have conversations with with people that are um. With people that are retired military, and they're all like, "We need to. We. I mean, you're gonna you're gonna open us up for terrorism." I'm like, "What's your?" And then you have people that are like, "Well, I had a, well, I had a national security. I had a top secret clearance." I'm like, "Dude, those are like 
candy. They give you those to make you feel special. I'm like, you have 200,000 contractors in America that have above top secret clearance, and you're sitting there proud to me that you had top secret clearance at one point in time, and you think that that justifies the American public having everything taken to taken from them and put into silos to create profiles on them. I think it's stupid. But like you said, it's the old guard versus the new way of thinking, and I think that we're going to win this because if you look at what um, – once again, I hate saying America because it's we're so far from America. Let's go back to the United States. We are the United States of of individuals you know, wrapped into this one big landmass with imaginary lines drawn on it by politicians. So we're this landmass, and you have an opportunity to go back to the way things used to be, which is – you know, as long as you're not infringing on my rights, we're cool. But people just they can't come to grips with that. I guess I don't know what it is. Well, I mean, uh, it's, I forget who said it. Um, uh, it was from one of the movies that I first watched when uh, I was trying to get information. And he said, "You can picture the modern politics and the Democrats and the and the, and the Republicans as you know the the Crips and the Bloods. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean and they're, they're playing their game against each other, and they're constantly fighting against each other. But the second you come in and you threaten that game, they unite to attack you. Yeah, that's a great way and, to put and it. That's, yeah, and that's what we're seeing right now. We're seeing these major players who have been in power for 400 and some odd years now who are starting to realize that they, they, their foundation is gone. It's cracking. It's being destroyed. A new... A new uh, foundation is being built, and they're doing everything in their power to make sure that they can continue fighting amongst themselves. Do you believe in what I said earlier, that it is a race um, for the consciousness of humanity? Whether the humanity will actually breathe life into liberty again, or if we just collectively just grovel to authority? Robert Anton Wilson... Um, I think said it best. He said that uh, every time information is getting to the point where it's going to double, where we're, we're about to experience a whole new world, the stakes mm-hmm. get higher. You know, with mm-hmm. the Renaissance and with uh, you know the Age of Enlightenment and mm-hmm. with all these different ages. Let's say it went it went the way of tyranny during those times. We didn't lose much, but mm-hmm. now now oh, the stakes are exponentially higher. We lose everything. Yeah, you know, technology, all. medicine, communications, maybe even our humanity, if we mm-hmm. don't, if we if we allow these people to can carry through with their plans. No, and and it's not, and we're not sitting here spitting rhetoric, people. This is real. I mean, this is it doesn't get more real than this. I mean, if you look around you, and once again, I I not to double back on the broadcast, but Robert, I talked about at the beginning of the show how. That, that Time Magazine has got this new article coming out or new new article going, where are all the honeybees going? And then there's an article today that says Russia warns the global war over the bee apocalypse is coming very soon. Talking and, and then everybody, you know, all the mainstream outlets are like, why are all the bees dying? I don't know. Maybe because you had the makers of effing Roundup decide that they were going to biologically engineer your food. How about that? Mm-hmm. Well, there's also studies that show that cell phones give off a signal that confuses the actual navigation system of the bumblebee, mm-hmm. therefore mm-hmm. getting lost and eventually dying. You couple mm-hmm. that with GMOs and, and the fact that we don't farm crap anymore, 
Uh, and then, of course, the, the, I mean, it makes sense that the bee population would start dying off. And like Einstein said, if, if bees uh, cease to exist tomorrow, the human population so do we. will follow in seven years. Yep, so do we, because we have no way to pollinate. Like, those are the greatest little pollinators on the planet. Maybe that's why Bill Gates is trying to build his little robot mosquitoes, so he can go around and pollinate all his Monsanto crops everywhere. Those guys just absolutely creep me out. Oh, by the way, um, I need your input on the um, on the New World Order draft. So we're doing it next Tuesday night. I don't know how many people are going to join in. But listeners, feel free to call in and give us a take or give us a person that you think – We've already got we've already got the good ones. We got Cass Sunstein, Bill Ayers, um, Henry Kissinger. Um, there's no Goldman Sachs in there. I, I'm thinking Jamie Dimon's got to be in there. Bernanke's in there a couple times. So that's going to be a really fun show. I think it's going to be like the last 30 minutes of that broadcast. So I do want you to submit some names. I'm not going to put you on the spot right now, but. What do you uh, here? Let me read you this Paul Craig Roberts article, and then I want to get your take on this because he really does. Um, he encapsulates everything that we're talking about here, and it doesn't look like I'm going to be able to get to all my news, but oh well. And it says, oh by the way, Paul Craig Roberts was the um, chief economist for Ronald Reagan, super smart guy, and understands um, global shifts really well. He said, there's a saying that if government fears the people, there is liberty, but if people fear the government, there is tyranny. He says the criminals in Washington. Is that your phone or me? Oh, that's you. You there? Like that? Oh, okay, yeah, good. You, your phone, your 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 mic was doing something crazy. Oh well. Oh, it says the criminals in it's all right. The criminals in Washington not only do not fear us, they don't respect us. Washington looks upon Americans as stupid sheeple with justifiable, I guess, reasons. I guess. Washington believes that it can tell the population anything and the people will believe it. For example, the line that the recession began in 2007 and ended in June of 2009. Many Americans believe this even though that has not personally been experienced in economic recovery. Indeed, they are sinking further into poverty and, and, nearer, and near poverty. Um, don't forget those non-existent weapons of mass destruction that Saddam Hussein allegedly by Washington possessed. Or the Gulf of Tonkin fake event where Washington claimed that a warship was attacked by Vietnam. Really, the list of official lies is too long. Anyone who believes anything that Washington says is too naive to let it out of the house to be let out of the house alone. But Americans believe the lies because they believe their patriotism requires it. Relying on proven gullibility in the bulk of the U.S. population, Washington claims to have uncovered an al-Qaeda plot to attack embassies across North Africa and the Middle East. To foil the plot, Washington closed 19 embassies for the past weekend and for this week also. Washington has no explanation on how the closings of the embassies foiled the plot. If al-Qaeda wants to blow up embassies, they can blow them up whether they're open or closed. If al-Qaeda wants to kill embassy personnel, they can kill them at home or on the way to work or later at the embassy when the alert passes. I only check with the with the prostitute media in order to assure that whether my current current estimate of our prostitution for Washington is accurate. Possibly I missed some explanation of the skepticism about the latest terror threat, but I didn't hear NPR's account. Back in the Reagan years, NPR was the in, was an independent voice. Today, it is part of the prostitute media, and NPR lies uh, for Washington for the, with the best of them. The U.S. media has ignored obvious fact that as soon as the American population, Congress, and Washington's puppet allies, such as Germany, 
made the issue of the NSA clearly unconstitutional and totally illegal universal spying, the Obama regime pushed the fear button and then hyped a new terror plot to shut up the critics and bring Congress and Germany back in line. Washington proclaimed the threat was discovered that al-Qaeda, an organization Washington is using in Washington's efforts to overthrow Assad in Syria, and one of the enriched U.S. military contracts affiliated with groups in Afghanistan, was going to blow up U.S. embassies in the Middle East and Europe, or in North Africa, excuse me. Washington did not explain why al-Qaeda, a recipient of largesse, or a recipient of Washington's largesse, was going to turn off the money spigot by attacking U.S. embassies. I'm not surprised the bombs haven't been set off on the embassies in order to prove that the National Stasi agency spying, therefore a sham in Congress, and along with the puppet states of Europe, who are objecting to the spying. Once you give it a moment's thought that Washington's claim that Washington has proved its importance by hyping such a non-existent terror threats. Officially, the U.S. has been at war with al-Qaeda since 2001. The, quote, superpower has been battling with a few hundred, a few a few thousand lightly armed al-Qaeda for almost 12 years. And what is the result? Despite Washington's claim that they have killed al-Qaeda's top leaders, including Osama bin Laden himself, Washington has lost the war. Al-Qaeda has grown so powerful that it only not only fights in Syria with Washington's help against Assad, but also prevented the U.S. military from occupying Afghanistan. Moreover, in addition to al-Qaeda's military success against the quote-unquote superpower, the chaos that al-Qaeda continues to produce in Iraq, al-Qaeda is now the most powerful and can shut down U.S. embassies across the world and the Middle East. The quote-unquote threat, which was supposed to boost the NSA's position, actually proves Washington's powerlessness. We also can pray that soon as al-Qaeda shuts down Washington itself, imagine the sense of American liberation if Washington was simply shut down, or even better, if Washington could be put under... <laughs> Pujab's magic blanket and disappeared. For the 99% and the rest of the rest of the world, Washington is nothing but an oppressor. Man, that guy was a former head of policy for Ronald Reagan, and he's saying stuff like that. That's awesome. But then again, the well, people I mean, don't like you. Well, the ones who were lied to. I mean, we all bought the lie at some point. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you know, I mean, we weren't always libertarian, voluntarists, and anarchists. You know, we mm-hmm. we all bought the lie. So, I mean, and there was no reason not to believe it for the longest time. You know, so it, it, it's nice to know that even those who helped create the monster are now going, "Oh man, what did I do?" <laughs> right. Hey, even Jimmy Carter said that we're not a democracy anymore, and he's like, "This is this is getting crazy." I mean, well, Woodrow, Jimmy Wilson and, uh, yeah, Woodrow Wilson apologized. Uh, Woodrow Wilson apologized for giving America to the bankers in his memoirs. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I've ruined my country. Is I think is what he said. I can't remember the exact quote, but he basically, yeah, we gave us over to the bankers, and now look at what we got to show for it. So, um, anything front and center on your agenda coming up, man? What do you guys got coming up on your show and stuff like that? I like, I like cross-promoting you guys. You guys do good work over there. And you let me come on late night and have a couple cocktails with you, so I always appreciate that. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, well, as far as news goes, I mean, my, my big pet peeve, my, my pet activism, if you will, has really been police brutality. Um, I mean – I've been reading a lot of studies on the increase. You mean like if you call them a pussy and they shoot you in the chest? You mean like stuff like that? Yeah, yeah, stuff like that. Coming into your home when they have no warrant and shooting your dog. 
you know, uh, breaking down the doors of the wrong house, you know, planting mushrooms in your safe, stuff like that, right? That's freedom, dude. Come on, that's freedom. Yeah, it, but that's my pet peeve. But I've been reading this, the, uh, I've been looking at all these statistics and da, da da da, and I finally came to a conclusion on why the police are behaving this way because it hasn't always been this way. You know, they would like you to believe it has, and only the advent of the Internet has us more aware of it, but that's not true. Um, even justified shootings have increased exponentially over the last 30 years. Mm-hmm. But I, I thought to myself, what, what changed, right? It wasn't the drug war. It wasn't anything. It was back in the 1980s when we had that, you know, uh, quick spike in crime and violent crime mm-hmm. that, um, that they changed the training for the police for one to treat every situation as if it was life and death, and hmm. two, uh, they they train them to treat everyone as if they're a criminal until other until it is proven to be safe or whatever. That's why they immediately handcuff you. That's why they immediately make you put your hands in the air. The reason they do that is because they're trained to treat you like a criminal and treat you as if you're you're going to kill them. Now, so, I mean, playing devil's, playing treated, devil's advocate. Course, but playing devil's advocate, they're going to say that that's the only way that the cop is going to feel safe is if he knows that the person is surrendering. Good, then don't be a cop. <laughs> I mean, if I mean, people don't become cops because they, they want to feel safe. People become cops for one of two reasons. They're either authoritarian a-holes who just want to you know push power on top of people or mm-hmm. those select few who actually want to protect their communities and help their fellow man. Mm-hmm. Now, when you, take, when you take away that authority, if you stop uh, breeding these you know, authoritarians in the training room, then you're going to have more cops who are just like, oh, little Jimmy, you shouldn't be spray painting. Instead of shooting you and killing you, I'm going to take hey, you home and let your parents deal with it. No, it's, it's, remember, it's non-lethal lethal, so it was okay. <laughs> They, I mean, seriously, that's what they call them. It's like it's it's a non-lethal, lethal what? Like, that's, yeah, that doesn't it's make insane sense. how many people die from tasers a year. Like, I thought mm-hmm. it would be a very low number. It's pretty up there. It was like last I checked, if I remember correctly, it was something around 450 deaths this last year alone. Yeah, but remember, terrorists killed two people this year. <laughs> well, yeah, I forgot. I, I'm sorry. Thank you for you know showing me the way. I almost thought that, you know, our government was the terrorists. Oh, no, 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 no. They, dude, come on. They're they're bringing us freedom. I mean, I mean, and they're bringing it all over the Middle East, too. They're just, you know, placing freedom all over Syria and all over North Common, Africa. They're just, they're just planting flags of it's freedom like, out there, man. It's like McDonald's. You can't, you, you can't go anywhere without finding American freedom anymore. <laughs> That's what it should be. We should maybe just... Maybe just turn every American military base into a McDonald's, and then we could feed everybody in the world. Because we're in what over 130 countries. Just like hey, we're, just we're up to... there, yeah. Just, just absolutely sick. So here, here's something I've never really asked you. Do you think that we're going to win? Uh, yes. Uh, I honestly do. I think. I kind of uh, agree with Adam Kokesh. I think freedom is inevitable because when you look at the whole of human history, we have always been working towards freedom. Now, granted, in the beginning of human history, they were small steps, like mm-hmm. uh, Cyrus, when he conquered Babylon, freed the slaves. You know, I mean, this is 6,000 years ago. He's freeing How dare slaves. you bring so, history on my show? How dare you bring <laughs> history? 
you know, but 6,000 years ago, you have kings who actually thought that people shouldn't be ruled, you know, so it's not a new idea. The problem mm-hmm. was is because of evolution, you know. I mean, we, we still had that very animal instinct in us. But now we're starting to get to a point where we've separated ourselves from being the animal so much, and now that we're distinctly human, mm-hmm. um, we're, we're, we're pushing for that next step. We're like, okay, we've gotten to the point where we all know freedom's good, so why aren't we living it? Because there's you know, too much money involved in free freedom costs too much money, Robert. <laughs> no, it does. I know. It I too pay, much money for the bankers. I pay for man. everything out of pocket. Yeah, I mean, freedom costs way too much money. Yeah, but I think but, I, mean, I think that's the, my thing. So I think it's inevitable. I think we'll win, but the question is, is how soon? How long will we drag out this torture? Is the question. Can we really. can we can we beat the can we beat the rise of the robots though? That's what I'm worried about. Because I, I see I see projects all over the country, and call call me a conspiracy theorist. I like to I'm going to coin a new phrase, man. I coined it on the last show. I'm going to keep pushing it out there until we get some traction with it. I'm an alternative theorist, and what that means is I don't believe in what everybody's mainline theory is. I have an alternative theory, not that it's a conspiracy theory. There might be some conspiratorial things in it. But separate it. Make the talking point different because that's what people are going to say. Here's what I see, and this is terrifying to me. Do you know how many people worked on the Manhattan Project that didn't know that they were trying to build a bomb? Oh, yeah. No, a lot, most of them actually. Over 100,000 people, okay? And everybody's like, oh, the government can't keep a secret. Now, look, they kept 100,000 people in the dark about blowing up a freaking entire city. Don't tell me they can't do it. So what I see with this rise of the robots and DARPA creating these robots and then Russia coming out and showing what kind of robots they've got. Dude, they had those things 10, 15 years ago. This is all child's play compared to what they've got. And what scares me is that the people that are creating this technology don't see how it can be used to exterminate humans. I mean, think about it. It's like, the, it's like the great analogy that if you have a supercomputer and you plug it in and say, okay, great, we've got this supercomputer with all these robots and everything now. So now we're going to find out you know, what the, um, what's going to be the safest thing for the world. We've comp- compiled all this data, and then the computer goes, the safest thing for the Earth is to exterminate all humans, and then we're all done. But – I get nervous when I start seeing DARPA creating robots, you know, everybody talking about autonomous drones in the future. I mean, what is that really going to bring? Is it going to be drone warfare? Is it going to be human extermination? That stuff scares me because I don't trust, especially people in the government, working on killer robots. That's just me, though. Well, the silver lining behind uh, all of that, right, from, from the atom bomb to these new robots by DARPA, is exactly what you said. These people working on them don't even fathom the kind of evil their technology can be used for, which I think is indicative to the fact that humans are basically good people. The Amen. problem is there's a very small few amount of people who have most of the power and most of the money are the ones who uh, are evil and they have no uh, care for the well-being of their fellow They have no empathy. They're psychopaths. They have little or no empathy for anybody outside of their little group, right? Yep, exactly. And what's funny is, and, and, and um, to stay on conspiracies for just for a quick second. No, that's um, fine. I, I, Alternative I theories? 
Yeah, to stay on alternative theories for a moment. I have often said that I do not believe that it's just like one cabal of people making all the decisions. I think there mm-hmm. are many factions, and they're warring with each other along with us. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's almost like if um, you know you were uh, people were having races, and everybody's racing their own car, but they all have to use the same fuel. We're mm-hmm. the fuel, mm-hmm. you know, yep. and and we're what makes the machine work. I forget the guy's name, but in the 1950s, he said, there comes a time when the operation of the machine becomes so odious that it makes you so sick at heart that you can't take part, you can't even passively take part. So you have to throw your bodies upon the wheels, upon the gears, and upon the levers, and upon all the apparatus, and you tell those who are running the machine that unless we are free, the machine will be prevented from working at all. Yeah, and that's one of the things that I talked about early in the show was is that humans go on momentum. If you look at how most of the world wars were started, it wasn't just because some country invaded some country. There was a big buildup. You had the buildup, and then you had the you had people choosing sides and basically aligning with it. So humans get in this mode of momentum, and right now, the it's like the establishment is trying to create a momentum of tyranny, and we're trying to create the momentum of liberty. And that's what I'm saying. Are we going to win the race? Because Man, if you're not excited about living in these times, dude, you do not have a pulse. I mean, if the most exciting thing that you're going to do is watch you know, American Idol, my lord, just pay attention to what's going on around you. This is crazy. Congress is at a 17% approval rating, and now they've exempt themselves from this big tax that we had to pass the bill to find out what's in it. I mean, if the American public goes for that, what won't they go for? I think that it's going to be interesting to find out if we can really rattle some cages and say, hey, look, this is going a really bad direction. Do you want to go down this direction? Do you want to just have cake and ice cream and just say have their cake and eat it too? Is that what you want? Or do you really want to try to, like we said, go back to what the nation was founded on and individual liberty, individual freedom, the power of the individual and instead of the power of the collective? The collective is always easier, but it always destroys itself. I mean, I hate to put any more on this guy's shoulders, but I really think that our momentum is right now hinged upon the fate of Adam Kokesh. Yeah. Um, one thing I've noticed is ever since Paul, uh, the the Ron Paul campaign, and you know, and they got cheated, we all kind of broke off into each other's sex and started arguing with each other if voluntarism is better than anarchism, mm-hmm. if anarchism mm-hmm. is better than libertarianism. But mm-hmm. since Adam Kokesh. Um, even uh, Cantwell and him, you know, have butt heads from time to time. Now he's mm-hmm. helping him uh, host his radio show. It mm-hmm. seems like we finally have something to rally uh, behind. Mm-hmm. So if I, what I think is that the government's kind of backed themselves in a corner. If mm-hmm. they throw the book at Adam Kokesh, they turn him into a martyr. They do yeah. our job for us. Mm-hmm. Now, if they let him go, that's that's even better because not only have they – we, they made an example, but Adam once again has shown that they truly don't hold any power. So right. I, I really think that we will win. Uh, but the question is, is just how long this race is going to be. Yeah, and and one thing that I would like to see when Adam gets out, and I, I'm trying to get people, especially in the liberty movement, to, to kind of gravitate towards us. And I know that we all have our opinions on status and Republican, Democrat, and all that stuff. But if we can if we can get Obama impeached, 
what that will do is send a at least a a beacon to the power structure saying that we're watching you now. You know, because that would be such an that would be such an unconscionable move eight years ago or six years ago, excuse me, whenever he came to office. Could you imagine with all the fanfare and all the people out there high fiving and then people like me saying, No, dude, he dude, I mean, he's a Marxist, this is not gonna be good. Like he I mean, if you just look at who the guy was, but everybody got cut up in the circus. Because Obama is the establishment. Like I said, he dude, he's got his own emblem. I mean, you don't get more establishment than that. He's got his big O with the I mean, come on. So if we can get him impeached, it'll at least shake the power structure up enough to go well, I guess we can't do anything because if we were going to push the super tyranny, obviously the black guy is going to be able to sell it best because then you could always turn around and make it a racist thing with the with the sheep and make them infight over one another. I guarantee you that's what they tried to pull here. But now it's like the American public's waking up, and I feel so horrible for Adam having to sit in that jail and not get – and having the judge say to him that he was a um, – what, what was the – Dangerous um, man. How a is dangerous he a dangerous man. man? How is he dangerous? I do not understand <laughs> I that. I don't know. Did you see my uh, my friend Adam Kokesh video? I did. I did. I'm going to share that with everybody. Um, I'll actually share that in the show. So when this uh, when this posts, everybody go to the um, We Are Not Kettle website and underneath the show notes for podcast number 21, I'll put the articles that I didn't get to in here, but I'll also put that link to uh, to Robert's video. And, you know, I haven't said anything about this, but I have to say that I didn't make a um, I didn't make um, an, an Adam video because I don't know him personally enough. And I, I don't know if that's really if that's really quirky about me saying something like that, but I've followed him enough to know what kind of person he is. It's just that I don't have a, a physical relationship with him. No homo. I don't have a physical no. relationship with him, meaning I've never met the guy in person. I've interviewed him a couple times. He seems like a great guy. I've seen all of his stuff, but I, I just I haven't made a video yet, and I just don't know if it's – but it's going to be warranted, I, I guess. I guess I have to make I one only, because this is ridiculous. Yeah, no, you you really should. But um, and, 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 uh, I, and this is – I've met Adam twice, hung out with him twice. Right, and um, when I was hanging out with him, and this is my testimony, if you will, on how nonviolent he is. Right, he's sitting there, and you know, all these people. He just found out he was banned from the Sun Dome. That they're cheating Ron Paul and the Jesse Benton problems, and da 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 da. And he and he's distraught because he just found out that he was banned from the Sun Dome. I was literally standing right next to him when he got the text. And so we're why sitting there. Why was he and banned? He why was he Why was he banned from the Sun Dome? Because of him and Jesse Benton, like button heads and stuff like that, so they didn't want well, Jesse him at the Benton front needs somebody to butt heads with him. What a never mind. Yeah, exactly. But anyway, so he gets banned from the Sun Dome. He's sitting there, his head's bowed. He looks sad, right? And he goes, "Man, is this really what we're coming to? We're coming to just fighting amongst ourselves?" And I turned to him and I said, in all seriousness, to him, I said, "You know what? The people have had their statesmen, Adam. Maybe it's time they have their general." And he looked at me and he goes, no, that cannot be the conclusion to this. Violence cannot be the conclusion. 
And you're going to tell me that man's dangerous? The one, the you know, the man during his uh, a low point, if you will, where he was insulted that he was banned, that he felt sad that this that the whole movement was falling apart at the time, and mm-hmm. and, and even then he still says no, that cannot be the conclusion. No, well, I mean he understands history because he. Because of the power vacuum that would create, and he knows that if you win the hearts and minds of the people, it doesn't matter what the people in uniform say. I mean, just look at Egypt. Look at what happened in Egypt. I mean, it took, what, a little over a year, and the population was like, get this clown out of here. And the military is like, look, our hands are tied. These people are going to bum rush the capital and probably murder this guy if we don't step in and remove him. So – you're exactly right, and you know I do need to make a video for that. You know I've had enough conversations with him that I could go on record, and and um, I just I feel like kind of I kind of feel like I'm in an awkward place with that. So that's just my personal. Opinion. All I try to do with my video is instead of just using my words, I showed almost every time Adam's been arrested in mm-hmm. the video. Not He's once did he ever get violent with him. Mm-hmm. Not once. Well, he did but have hey, the man, one I guy don't... try to body slam him, and he wouldn't let him, which was kind of funny. That was smoke down. That was hilarious. I still love that. That gets me every time I see that. You see the guy try with all his might to slam him on the ground. <laughs> He's and like tries like, to no. pick him up, and Adam's like, I'll just – I've still got my microphone in hand. That happened to me at the Jefferson Memorial. I'm not doing it again. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah, that was ridiculous. And then the guy puts, like, the chokehold on him. I mean, come on, man. I mean, yeah. I guess whatever. So I, I guess I'll uh, I'm gonna make a video now, man. So awesome. I just yeah, go ahead. I was gonna tell you I, I just need to wrap this up. I gotta run somewhere real quick. Yeah, me too. I'm about to I'm about to wrap it up. We're running in overtime right now, but hey, I do want to go over this really quick with you and get your take on this. This is the nanny Absolutely. state in this is the nanny state in full effect. The NFL plans to – and everything in America now is a crackdown in case you guys haven't figured this out. NFL plans to crack down on excessive celebrations this season. That's right. The NFL League has been reportedly cracking down on excessive celebrations and taunting this season. The Pro Talk reports that the referees who have been to training camps and worried about the players celebrating too much. Heaven forbid they have fun at their jobs where they get fucking beat up for a living and thrown into you know, 200, 300-pound men all day and get slammed around, but whatever. The taunting rule was new to the NFL, but some critics have dubbed it the No Fun League, and the officials have gone a step further to enforce the rule, and I'm going to leave you at this. Are you ready for this? The new rule book says that the team will be penalized 15 yards, and if the player commits one of these acts, you ready? Sack dance, home run swing, the Incredible Hulk, spiking the ball, spinning the ball, throwing or shoving the ball, pointing, pointing with the ball, verbal taunting, military salute, or standing over an opponent for a prolonged period of time. What the? That takes away almost all the fun stuff out of football. Yeah, no, 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 that's it. That's it. You are a biological android. Get out there and tackle somebody. So, you know, I'm going to end on that. Don't don't celebrate. (laughs) Yeah, don't celebrate that you've done something. Could you imagine if somebody closed like a $2 million deal and as as he walks out, he's getting ready to call his wife and his boss goes, you call your wife, I'm going to fire you. You celebrate or, about or, that. Or something to the fact that like, he closes the deal, walks out, gives his boss a high five, and they're all like, that's uh, 15% off your commission right there, sir. No, yeah. Either that or they come in and say, you know what? We saw you guys high five out there. We're going to tear up the contract. 
<laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Robert Wiseman from the Journalistic Revolution. Plug your stuff real quick, man, and then we'll end the show. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, uh, you can catch us at journalisticrevolution.com or the YouTube or Facebook channel of the same name. We also have an Android app you can download to keep uh, tabs on everything we do. And then remember, status anonymous, guys. It's a 12-step program. If you're still dealing with your statism, get in touch with us. We'll help you out. Absolutely. So, and once again, everybody, follow me on Twitter. We are not cattle. The number one, um, like my YouTube channel. We are not cattle TV. Remember, once I get to a hundred YouTubes, I will. Um, once I get to a hundred subscribers, I will try to bring back the um, the live um, video show. Or not the live the the video show of the audio podcast. That was very confusing. But anyway. Like my stuff, um, share the message about liberty and freedom, everybody, and uh, let's beat the uh, the technocrats. Robert Wiseman, thank you so much for joining us, and uh, love liberty and freedom, everybody. Take care. You deserve your freedom. Freedom. Yeah,